It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to another edition of the Locked on Wizards podcast, although this is hardly just another edition. This is the Bradley Beal taking on the world and saying, not tonight, people. I got this 51 points for Beal, Wizards huge bounce back win in Portland. And for a special uh, night like that, I can't just have just a, a random podcast. Can't just have me going solo. I need a big guest. Nothing bigger than for the first time this season, Mr. Kyle Weedeye from TruthAboutIt.net. Dude, late night. How are you? I am doing well. I'm doing even better now that the uh, the big panda alert has gone off and Bill just sort of carried this team tonight. 51. Feels good. I like how you went big panda because I just watched Chris Miller on the postgame show try to go with this blue magic. It is a constant, <laughs> it is a constant uh, debate. There's two clear factions. Um, he got, he had the TV working for him, but I'm with you. It's, it's, it's big Panda and it was big Beal, no matter how you want to slice it. Uh, we'll get to all that in just a second as the Wizards win 106.92 after that horrible game in Utah. Quick reminder, as always, you can find all the podcasts on iTunes. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Ben Standing and I believe Mr. Weed Eye is at truth underscore about underscore it. Hit him up there, and of course, go to truthaboutit.net. The the, uh, the the you guys already know that the boys have been helping me out a lot, and they do good stuff over there. Um, we're, we need to get your bigger picture takes in just a second because we haven't heard from you on this on this season yet. But holy smokes, I, I didn't know what to expect coming into this game because yesterday was such a disaster, and you know you figured they would come out with more energy, but you know would they sustain it? Would they blow a lead or whatever would happen? Who knows? But I was fearful if they didn't, then we would have to have a bigger conversation about what's going on. And instead, it's the exact opposite. They basically controlled the game after the first quarter. And Beal, I think he played the entire second half, I think. He, he was just out of his mind um, throughout. And, and his, I think his, the team keyed off his aggression the whole game. And what's interesting about it is that, you know, Gortat, Morris, and Porter didn't do much. Porter had two points, one for eight. Well, they had a uh, Morris looked, yeah, combined. Four yeah, for Morris 24. just looked kind of slow. Four for twenty. Yeah, they, they just weren't. They weren't. Uh, they didn't show up. I mean, obviously, Ubre and uh, Mike Scott showed up off the bench, and Tim Frazier was decent. You know, as much as we knock him, and then Sadoransky chipped in uh, seven as well. So uh, it was it was not unexpected. Just especially when a team gets drummed, you know, they have pride. They're going to come out and play and. Really, it's just Beal building on what he's been doing this entire season to date. And I, th- I think it's just an all-star campaign from him. In fact, you know, I feel like 
looking at the other these teams being practical, he is like pretty much a starter along with Kyrie in the All Star game, if you ask me. Oh, Bradley Beal. Yep. That, it, it's funny because the other day I was with some people. And we were debating. This was, I guess, yeah, no, this was even with Wall Hurt, and they were saying that Wall would start, and I was like, I don't think so, but I wasn't necessarily saying Beal, but then we got to the idea, we were talking about who were the best shooting guards in the East, and somebody was trying to say that Avery Bradley wasn't too far away, and I'm like, Bradley Beal's way better, and the only guy who's maybe even in his range is DeRozan, uh, but in terms of just playing, yeah, I mean, he's been pretty incredible, I mean, these last four or five games before tonight haven't been his best. But by and large, he's been really good. And, you know, I give him at least a slight pass that the previous two games. He's dealing with those goggles because he's got, or got glasses because he got a hit in the face. Tonight he said, screw the glasses. And uh, I think that was a good call on uh, <laughs> on his part for sure. 21 to 37 from the field, 5 to 12 from three. And, and like I said, he played, I think, the entire second half and was able to keep up his energy. Sometimes I get concerned Beal heavy minutes can lead to some tired legs late, but we didn't see that tonight. He uh he, he had some big shots even late. Yeah, he scored a variety of ways. And I think I tweeted something about this. Like, you know, Lillard and McCollum, those are the main guys he gets matched up against. They're just six three, so they're gonna be less taxing on what Beal's trying to do. Uh and they're not uh you know, McCollum will run through some screens, they both will run through screens, but it's not like other guys that Bill has had to guard. So I don't think he's taxed much on that end and that he could just you know, focus on his offense. It was nice. Um, and speaking of the all-star game, I did forget that it's one of those, uh, I think they're, they're mixing conferences or having people draft. So in theory, he could start. Um, but I think that's still based on voting. Well, I, you're correct. The, the starting is based on voting. Uh, so yeah, he's probably not getting in that way. Um, but in any event, yes. Uh, fantastic performance from him. And, just to sort of, on a night when a guy scores 51 points and nobody else scores more than 14, you know, it's sort of, like, it's hard to sort of, it feels almost silly to point to other players. But this was another game where we saw this earlier when John Wall, at the start of John Wall's being out, it was the bench, not the starters, that really turned this game around. Second quarter, Wizards outscore Portland uh, 27-15, and the bench, sort of at the, starting at the end of the first quarter, Got it going, and you look at some of the bench numbers. Mike Scott, 5 for 5 from the field. Uh, Ubre, 6 of 9 from the field, 14 points. He had 5 steals. The Wizards had a season-high 16. You mentioned Sadoransky, uh, another efficient night shooting, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, 0 turnovers. And he was out on the court late in the game, which I want to get to in a second as well. Uh, so so the bench definitely uh, fueled the way for them, and you know, the starters did some stuff here and there, but for the most part, like Otto had 10 rebounds and things like that. But, yeah, this was about the bench and Beal really uh, finishing this off. Um, since I didn't talk to you last night, <laughs> how, 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 what were your – I guess what do you what were your feelings from uh, last night? And, and what were you thinking sort of going – I know you said it was sort of predictable, but after the way last night ended, like are you thinking to yourself, oh, no, like where is this thing going? Uh, last night, well, it was, it was kind of the worst because I was at work and I'm like, all right, let me just put it on my phone and be a league pass and kind of pay attention. And suddenly I see Utah goes on that initial first half run and it just gets out of hand. So, 
I think at some point I'm taking, uh, I'm like taking an Uber home. I'm watching it from the car and just getting worse. And it, by the time I get home, I'm like, I, I do not want to subject myself to anything that's happening here. So thankfully I was barely exposed to last night's atrocity. Um, so I think that obviously is past this team, but it's still, it's, I think tonight's win in Portland doesn't, you know, get past some of the underlying concerns or the decisions that Scott Brooks might have to make. I mean, you look at Mahimi was just, he was just brutal tonight. One of my good friends uh, just was texting me uh, about the game. And it was like, Mahimi was that noteworthy for this like guy who's not a really a Wizards fan to just, you know, to, to text me about that. It was, and they need to make a decision there and what the rotations are going to be, especially with the bench. I think they played well. Um, but it's still not something you can count on. It feels like before the Wizards went out of town, and at that, uh, uh, I got Mahimi along with another one of my colleagues for a quick, I guess, two-on-one conversation. And I was going to put some of the audio up on the podcast, and I probably still will. But it was right at the point where he had, you know, he had just had that really good game against Minnesota. You know, it looked like he was a little more energetic, and he just looked so awkward again tonight offensively. It's just like my, it's. I made some horrible joke on Twitter, like, I'm the most awkward dancer in the world, but compared to him, I mean, I look like Fred Astaire out there. It is just uh, so weird. But let's stay positive. We'll we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll we'll skip that. Here is the other thing that, that stood out to me that I was super excited about, and I haven't – it's too early to see what the lineup uh, stats are. But at one point, Scott Brooks, late in the third quarter, he goes with Bradley Beal, Thomas Sadoransky, Otto Porter, Kelly Oubre, Markeith Morris. So, so no traditional center. Big, all, big all over the court. I mean, Beal's the shortest guy at what six four, six five. I was so excited to see that lineup, and I think they did some good stuff uh, for, for a little bit there. I don't think they were together too long, but I, I, I you know, I, I talked in recent days about how without Wall Brooks has had to experiment with some of these lineups. The one experiment he's done that I haven't liked is when he's going with a no point guard lineup and forcing Beal to be everything and keeping Saturnsky out there with him, I think is big, but then doing it with that group, I I, I, I just couldn't wait to see it. I mean, uh, you know, again, this was not a great night for Otto and Markeith, but the combination of those five guys out there, especially with that wall, I think is one of those lineups where I'm dying to see what it could do for longer stretches. Well, yeah, exactly. And, and, not long after that, they brought in Mike Scott at the five for Morrison, which is even as intriguing of a lineup. And it's not something that Brooks uh, won't go to. I mean, he, you see, uh, you know, he's, he's, he'll go to this lineup before. But, um, you know, I think either Morris or Scott or even Jason Smith at the five, it just really gives you something dynamic where even you have the length to get in the passing lanes and, and be a threat out there on defense. I think with guys like Ubre and Otto, they're, they've proven to be solid on the board. So you're not losing much in sort of getting a guy like Mahimi out of there. And I don't want, I don't want to get away without too many things about Mahimi because it's not just his offense, but his blocking out that just like it, it just lacks all around. I think something is in his head. But the only other thing I'll say about Mahimi is you tweeted this at one point is that the ESPN trade machine was not working. His salary wasn't matched up right. Because of what you just said, I did check just now, and it seems to be working. So for anyone who wants to have a little fun out there, they're welcome to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And no, I, 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 I retweeted that update when I noticed it like a, a week ago or so. Because, yes, it was definitely, you know, I know that's something everybody wants to do. 
um, where I was tonight. Everybody yes. was coming up with trade uh, trade ideas throughout uh, throughout the game. Uh, so yeah, that's definitely something uh, to keep an that's eye. That's you how out of it I've been. It's been updated for a week, and I'm like just discovering it. Oh, that's all right, man. You are, you know, you, you're actually living life, uh, you know, do, doing like real stuff. I, this is my, uh, you know, this, is, this is what I do. It's all good. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Um, all right, so I want to get to some bigger picture stuff with Kyle in a second, but just in the short term, for the rest of this road trip, to some degree, couldn't be set up better for the Wizards. They're up, they get next get Phoenix on Thursday, so they get a day off, and well, I haven't heard the official status, but Devin Booker, Phoenix's best player, just scored, what, 47 or whatever uh, the, the other night, uh, he apparently hurt his adductor muscle, it's one of those muscles where as a fat guy, I don't, I don't think I even have that muscle. Um, and uh, I'm going to guess he's not going to be playing for the for Phoenix on Thursday. So that obviously helps the Wizards out a ton. Then the Wizards play the Clippers on Saturday. L.A.'s got so many guys out, namely Blake Griffin and Patrick Beverly. Then you get to go home to Brooklyn, where I'm going to guess maybe there'll be a uh, truth about it appearance. And uh, D'Angelo Russell's out. So... The, the Wizards, you know, they're one and one on this trip, you know, regardless of how bad it was in Utah or how exciting this was or even. And now these they've got a really good chance to win these last three games just based on the opponent. None of those three teams are particularly exciting from a win-loss standpoint. So, you know, look, if the Wizards could actually sweep this and come out of this trip four and one, doesn't you know, you, 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 you take it, you run, and you'd be pretty excited from that perspective. Um Will you be attending? So what odds or what percentage chance do you give them to actually win all three of those games? Because okay. I'm with you. Like, these are three winnable games. You still feel like this team has, you know, with Beal, they can build the momentum. But what come on, what do you actually know in the Wizards? How can you be honest here? No, no, I'm with you. I mean, th- th- that's that's the part where, like, it's exciting to get – it's exciting to, to, to flow off of the adrenaline from this game. And, uh, you know, even as somebody who tries to – you know, keep emotion in check. It's all, you know, it's, it's when they're playing well. I mean, I was, I, um, I, I came over to, uh, I, I, I don't live too far from CSN. I have not been over here all year to watch a game and I decided it was a late game. I need some people around me to stay awake. So I came over here to watch it with the crew that's currently on TV. And, um, you know, I made a comment at one point, like, you know, it's amazing what happens when the Wizards come out and play with aggression. They look good. <laughs> it's not much more. I mean, Scott Brooks <laughs> says that all the time, but it's true. You know, and and they did that tonight from the start, and it it feeds off of Wall and Beal when they're you know both out there. Beal clearly hasn't been himself himself the last few games. Right away, he went straight to the hole early. I think three of his first four shots were like sort of layup attempts or something like that, and uh, you know it just sort of kept going from there. So yes, if they can keep doing that, yes, they can win all three. But you're right, there's no reason based on what we've seen the last ten to fifteen games to think that they will play three straight consistent games. But you know. I, I give it a 65 to 70% chance. That's where I'll, I am with that. I'll go 71.7. All right. Um, the, 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 the 0.7. The price could be right. Yeah. The, 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 the 0.7 is the, uh, 
the, the random Mahimi, uh, th- you know, heave toward the basket that like gets some soft, uh, rim action and falls in. That's that, that's that. <laughs> um, exactly. All right. So I want to talk to you about, we haven't talked about the season. So, you know, it is, they are now 13 and 11. Um, there's been some clear highs. There have been some clear lows. 24 games were definitely past the quarter pole at this point. Uh, I guess let's just start. Why here? I'll, I'll ask you a couple questions. Let, let's start with this. Which player for you is the most improved player on the team this year? Got, you got a, uh, I think got it's got to be. Now. Yeah, I think it's clear cut Kelly Oubre. He's become someone you can sort of trust um, night in and night out. Like he's not just sort of barreling his way to the hoop anymore. Um, and he's just building on, on all the other good things he could do. Smart defense, still has great form on his three-point shot, and he's hitting those. So uh, I think I think it's, yeah, you have candidates, but to me it's it's really Kelly Oubre hands down. Yeah, I mean, Oubre, Otto, Sadoransky all have made strides. When I asked John all that question multiple times before the season started, he kept saying Otto, and – to some degree, I don't think that's wrong. He definitely has not been himself the last few games. Or, you know, has not been putting up the same kind of numbers. And, yeah, Oubre has, uh, you know, he still drives me crazy in some spots. But he's he always seems to come out with energy. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah, he, he, his three-point shot, he's two for three tonight. His three-point shot significantly better. So I can't argue with that. Five steals. Yeah. Um, most frustrating player, I sense I know where this might be going. But you never know. There's again a couple candidates. I mean, uh, maybe it's Mahimi. Maybe it's the starting power forward. Maybe it's uh, um, I don't know. Maybe it's the uh, the head coach. I don't know. What what do you what do you got? The most frustrating thing on the Wizards. I, I guess the most frustrating thing is the bench that they've been given in the first place. Uh, you know, so then you can give it to me, the head coach, and. Then finally, yeah, obviously Mahimi is frustrating. I don't, I just never expected this out of him. We always knew that he was going to be a challenged offensive player, that yes, he was foul prone. Okay, he missed his free throws. But I thought he was just more of a fluid defensive player. And really, you're seeing someone who simply doesn't have the movement that seems to be uh, someone that's even have his place in today's NBA game at the five spot. And it's, it's sort of bad to watch it's to that point. Now I don't want to jump the gun, but it's like his season is pretty bad. And I think he's getting a lot of chances and it's just not really working for him or the Wizards. Hey, let me take a quick break from my conversation with Kyle Weedye to tell you about our sponsor for this podcast today, my bookie. Uh, look, it's that time of year. Everybody needs some extra holiday cash. I wouldn't necessarily say this is for everybody, but if you're the sort who is down with uh, making a wager out there, then my bookie is the place to score serious cash on your sports predictions. You can play the money line, side, or total, and my bookie is your hookup for all your betting needs and offers super fast payouts when you win. Uh, they have odds on every matchup and a mobile site that makes wagering on your smartphone a breeze and let me i'm definitely serious when i say that where you bet is just as important as who you are betting on i've dealt with some shady things in my day uh 
So that is definitely key. You want to know that what you're getting is the real deal. And if you want to make money betting the games, you got to go to mybookie.ag. Now, here's the key. You go to mybookie.ag, and they will match your deposit with up to a 50% bonus. Use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. If you think you got a good read on the Wizards, and if you do, let me know, because it's definitely been hard to figure out what you're going to see from game to game, half to half, quarter to quarter. But if you do, and you're feeling confident about them or whichever team you uh, you think you've got a good read on, go visit mybookie.ag. Again, use promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Get started. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, let's get back to the podcast. By the way, this is, uh, I told you originally when we talked, I could get you out of here by now. Are you still good for a few minutes, or do I, do I need to let you go? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly Mahimi, but you know what? I, I'll say this. I'll, I'll just sort of go with Morris. I, I don't quite, you know, they've said he's healthy, and, you know, we saw a good game out of him against the Pistons, but it's definitely been inconsistent. It seems to me pretty clear he's not 100%. I mean, and he's talked about his ankle hasn't been right. Uh, you know, we'll see. he came back from the hernia thing fairly quick. Not saying he was he was came back too soon. I'm just saying he came back quick. You know, quicker than than expected. And they just need him. Like that that lineup I talked about tonight, the, the one where he's playing in the five. And you said it was almost a little more exciting with Mike Scott in there. That may be right, but that's not the way it should be. They they the the, the this team was at its peak last year when Morris was hitting threes and being aggressive defensively. And they need that. If they're realistically going to get back in this thing and have any shot to deal with Cleveland or Boston or what have you, they're going to need a lot more out of him than they have right now. So, you know, I give him a little bit of a pass because of the injury and what have you, and maybe being out of shape coming back. But, you know, it's getting he's been he's been around for more than a minute now and still not quite there. So, I'll, I'll throw mine to Morris. Um, yeah, I know. I was thinking about Morris a lot tonight, and it does feel like he's just sort of moving around out there, and he's yeah, he's spreading up the court, but just you know, firing a three. But then I started looking at some of his numbers, and it's like he is shooting a career high 37% from three, and he's taking a career high 31% of his shots from three point land compared to just 22% last year. And he's actually shooting a career low 9.6% from 16 feet inside the three point line. So He's even though he's not like in shape, I'm like, yeah, I give him a pass. Let's sort of evaluate him after, um, you know, maybe in starting in mid-January. And if he's not in shape by then, I think you're totally right. Like he would be the most disappointing player because, uh, you know, what do you expect from Mahimi at some point? Right, right. And uh, yeah, I, said, I give him a, a pass when they're not going to come out flat out say he's hurt or whatever, which is fine. But yeah, the, something seems up. And they just need more for him if we're going to have any conversation about where they're going to get. Uh, favorite moment of the season? I, I, my memory's so bad, I almost forgot that Beal scored 51 points tonight without looking up the box score. But for you, uh, I know it's been an uh, interesting year for you trying to watch this team. What, any one moment, whatever it might be, stand out? I think the moment is probably uh, Connor Dirks and I going to Toronto and seeing that Wizards game. And I think Toronto, excuse me, I think they only have one loss at home, if I'm um, not mistaken. And so that was their one loss. And so we had, we had a good trip. Toronto is a really cool city, um, but that was another game that Beal took over. And I'm just like, you know, if it wasn't evident already, this guy's um, having a, you know, quite a special year. 
The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Um, all right, let's get to the uh, the uh, general manager or actually the team president. What, what's been your, what was your, the way it's played out, what's been your favorite Ernie move for this season? Uh, it's got to be Mike Scott. I mean, you know, and, and who knows how much credit Ernie gets there versus whoever on the staff might have uh, been the person who sold Scott to him and who other people might sell bad moves to Ernie. Uh, but retrospect he gets credit he gets the blame for anything michael scott is one good paper salesman for the wizard <laughs> yeah it really is hard to not come up with all kinds of uh jokes <laughs> every time he does anything <laughs> um but yeah it's funny because now that you said that i just looked jody meeks only played five minutes tonight because beal played the whole game uh and uh you know i mean you mentioned the bench before and you know my, my my, my thing on the bench is, and I'm with you on Scott. I mean, I think they're getting, you know, he, they got him for, what, a minimum contract, and he's been, you know, very good. He's given them the three-point threat that they that they looked for. He's given them a, a guy they can use at the four spot for sure. Um, the, um, the the thing about the bench, and, and this is something we've talked about a bunch here, is that, look, it's not great. I, I'm not going to pretend otherwise, but look how much better it's been these last four or five games or so. Everybody was bad at Utah, but the other games – with Sadoransky at the point guard spot, I mean, I don't want to keep turning this. I, I feel like I'm rivalry, rival, ugh, I'm becoming the rival with you guys talking about Sadoransky. But with him at the point guard, the, it just makes such a difference because now with, 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 with Sadoransky and Ubre, you've got two athletic players who are on the attack. Whereas when you have Frazier with the second unit, you know, he, I think Frazier can do enough. He, he's a paint by numbers point guard. And when you have Beal and Otto and those guys, it's enough, but when you have a bunch of guys who need to be set up, I just don't think it works as well. And so I'm curious if Brooks will stay with Sadoransky. I'm not convinced he will. If he's going to stay with him, I all of a sudden think that the bench as a whole, whether Mike Scott, Meeks, and so on, it's just going to look better. And then, therefore, to the degree of the, the, the Ernie move, I think some of the stuff they did, I'm not, again, I'm not saying everything was, was great. I'm just saying some of that stuff will even look better if Sadoransky keeps this up. Yeah, I mean, I think I've always felt like Sadoransky pairs better with Beal um, because Beal, you know, you don't want him to be the point guard all the time or have that burden, but you want him handling the ball in situations in that, that role. And so putting him with Sadoransky, who can sort of, you know, cut and do different things, also handle the ball, um, I, I, you know, in theory, they work nicely together where – yeah, I think Frazier has done some okay things. I'm still not sold on him, especially from the defensive standpoint, although he's just, again, he's no Trey Burke, uh, and that's a good thing. Um, he's definitely not an Eric Maynard. Uh, so, but I think, yeah, Sadoransky seems to be more confident, and you can see that a couple games ago, or, or uh, I think the Detroit game where he hit a couple three-point shots, and then even tonight, um, you know, he had a confident miss. He hit another shot later, so... I think he's starting to sort of 
feel that he has a role with the team and and it will be really interesting to see what Brooks decides to do because he's obviously playing a little bit better than Frazier is. But when Wall comes back, how do how did the minutes shape out? Will we go back to the traditional like, oh my gosh, we're just playing Frazier by default? Uh, we're continuing to play Mahimi, or will Brooks finally sort of make some changes that seem evident? Yeah, I mean that's one thing we've talked about. I mean, you know, for all the talk by people, you know, saying you know he's playing Mahimi because of the contract, I point to Marcus Thornton last year on a minimum contract. Brooks just kept him in for what seemed like an inordinate amount of time in the lineup uh, before he finally shook him out. And uh, once he did shake him out is when they went on the big run. Uh, but, yeah, we'll see. I, it, it would blow my mind, assuming that nothing changes that much between the way Sadoransky and Frazier look now to when Wall comes back. But even tonight, they played the exact same minutes. And I'm not saying that's terrible, but it does feel like Sadoransky should be playing a little bit more. Uh, speaking of that, John Wall, in theory, if the two-week part is accurate, uh, he would be back during this road trip. I, I guess it's sort of somewhere between the Clippers game and the Nets game. Over, uh, you know, if if that sort of is the over-under line, like wh- when do you see him coming back? you think he comes back on this trip? Or you think this is uh, something where it's going to end up longer? I know you're not a doctor, but. Uh, I think Wall should just, um, especially with the next three games and the situation you, you mentioned, he should sort of uh, take it easy and make sure he's really ready, even get extra rest. Um, I think that's what star players ultimately do, even when their team is struggling. Um, so maybe he comes back after the Brooklyn game, although he always likes playing in L.A., so uh, it is what it is. And um, just to get back to that deal combo, I had to look up the numbers. Beal and Frazier on the year have played 221 minutes together with a net rating of minus 2.4. Beal and Sadoransky have played 65 minutes together with a net rating of plus 17. So, yes, yeah, sure, small sample size theater, and that doesn't, you know, really account for when there might be three guard lineups. Um, but the numbers do support uh, the eye test, at least. So, again, we'll see if uh, – what sort of impact that has when Wall does come back, um, whether it be in a couple games or, or a few more. And, and this, what I'm about to say also leads into what my next question is going to be, but the, the Frazier, staying with Frazier, it isn't even a matter of whether you think he's better or worse than Sadoransky. It's the, the upside with Frazier is just limited. It's again, I, I think Tim Frazier has been relatively okay. You know, there's obviously some, some, so, you know, he's not the biggest guy. Can't, he's not great from three point range. But, you know, he, he, he's to some degree kept the, 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 the trains moving. He's, a, he's efficient enough. It's, it's not, he's not terrible. He's not John Wall. Obviously, nobody is on this team. But Sadoransky, everything about him, it just screams potential. The size, the passing, the energy. If he is a real thing, if what we've seen in these last five or six games is real, when you project ahead to the postseason and an eight-man lineup, eight-man rotation, now all of a sudden the Wizards have something of a difference maker with him and Ubre off the bench. The way Ubre's been going, that is a huge difference. I mean, they, you know, last year every, every t- who who they have on the bench, Ubre who was wildly inconsistent, Brandon Jennings and Jan Mahimi. I mean, this is way better than that. If, if Sadoransky can keep this going, and then we're and then if we can even get beyond this year, you know, who knows where this is going? Again, I'm not putting Sadoransky in the All Star game. 
I'm just saying when you have a guy with that potential, he can do so many different things. It just it it, it, it ramps up what this team could look like, and I think that to me is why he's got to play even beyond the short term that he's been playing better than Frazier. The bigger picture is why I think he needs to play more. All right, you make a good case. All right, uh, let's go to my next question. Everybody, I, everybody I know still wants the Wizards to have to, to make that huge trade. The tra- you know, Boogie Cousins, DeAndre Jordan, seemingly Otto Porter is the piece that has to go in all these trades. I guess it's sort of a twofold thing. Do the Wizards have to make a blockbuster trade to acquire whomever it is you think is that third star? If you don't think Otto Porter is some is that guy, though he's a lot of the numbers, uh, advanced numbers love him. Or do you think the way things are looking when you get Wall back and the pieces you have, that they actually come out and I don't know play hard, that they have enough to compete with Cleveland and Boston or what have you? I don't see them making any sort of trade this season. Um, Certainly everything is on the table depending how the season ends. But, um, you know, someone else, when when I made this point earlier this year, like, yeah, you'd give up a first-round pick at this point to trade Mahimi, you know, get his contract off the books, maybe get talent in return. Unfortunately, I think someone else made the point that's right. uh, That's not going to be enough. Uh, so I think the Wizards just sort of have to suck it up and make do with what they have. Um, I don't think they want to trade in like another situation where you're just getting a rental player like uh, Bogdanovich um, last year. I think they either want to, if they have to give up their first round pick, they either want to get some sort of talent or they end or get Mahimi's contract off the books. Again, really doubt it's happening at this point. Um Certainly, Ernie Grunfeld has been known to turn Gilbert Arenas into Rashard Lewis into Trevor Reason and Mecca Okafor, uh, but that was several moves. Um, so I don't feel like anything's going to happen this season uh, that really impacts this team, even on a smaller scale. So if I tell you that the, the, the trade offer is you can trade Otto and Mahimi to the Clippers, you get DeAndre Jordan, who technically has a two-year contract, but can opt out and probably probably would based on just general how these things go. He can sign a multi-year deal instead of playing for one. If that's an offer, would you would you make that trade? No, hell no. I mean, Otto, like, has come into his own, and he's really good. And, of course, you know, you really want a rim-protecting big man. But I think DeAndre Jordan is, you know, he has a lot of faults for who he is. Yeah, I think he would play well with Wall. But uh, I, I wouldn't be able to watch Hack of DeAndre. I just, I'm sure that would happen a lot. Wizards fans would be exposed to it. Um, no thanks. Yeah, I could not agree with you more. I'll just say the room of people I was in tonight, I was a vast minority of people who said that I would no way make that trade. I don't know if I said hell no, but I only did. I, if I didn't, it was only because there were ladies present, and I try to be respectful to the room. But yeah, <laughs> no. uh, and you just made a great point. People act like DeAndre Jordan. I mean, in the fourth quarter of a playoff game, he's getting hacked. So all of a sudden, you're going to have to put Gortat back out there anyway, and now you don't have Otto Porter, and you're praying to God Kelly Oubre is consistent and does avoid foul trouble because if he doesn't, you have no wing depth behind him now that you've just made that trade. And beyond that, DeAndre Jordan could leave him for agency, and then you would just have traded Otto Porter for a rental, which we just went through this past year, and it would be even worse because Otto Porter is a real player as opposed to a first-round pick that, you know, who knows – how that will uh, play out. 
Uh, last question, and then I'll let you go. It's 24 games. This team has been wildly inconsistent. But in terms of that bigger picture, we entered this year with the Wizards in contention. You know, could they be the team that takes down Cleveland? They seemingly were going to be ahead of Boston after Gordon Hayward got hurt. Well, clearly Boston's figured some things out. Now Cleveland's on fire. Does It's still early. It's only December 6th. Uh, so would you think that the Wizards, have you seen enough to think that the Wizards can get this done, get back, and get back to where we realistically come, you know, whatever, February, March, talking about a team that can contend for the East? Yeah, I think if they're healthy and they sort of linger around and Wall and Beal have sort of learned something about themselves and not showing up in certain games over last playoffs, then yes, they can compete. Um, over seven-game series, it's still going to come down sometimes to bench play a little bit, and they, they're deep enough where they have guys that make an impact, especially how playoff basketball happens. I really could not see Mahimi playing at all in the playoffs um, with how, that, how playoff basketball has come. So, so definitely, but it, I'm still – I feel like we still need another – 15 games before we can really get a true assessment of this team. And I feel like, you know, when Wall comes back, that'll be a solid, you know, 10 to 12 games or whatever. Um, and I'm not sure how many games there are ultimately until the All-Star break, a lot more than that. But I think we still need to see a lot more out of this team going forward. Um, they certainly got a challenge through in December with a lot of games on the road. Um even though, like you said, some of the some of the upcoming games stack up favorably favorably to them, so we'll see. Um, by the way, that Beal, Morris, Ubre, Otto, Sadaransky lineup in four minutes a minus six point four net rating. Screw it, I still liked it. Keep doing it, Scott Brooks. Don't be shy. Exactly. Um, <laughs> by the way, the, the Beal, Mahimi, Ubre, Sadaransky, Scott lineup. In eight minutes, a net rating of eighty nine point six. Take that, Mahimi's like, yeah, you don't like me out there, people. Bite me. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think I, I'm with you. I, I keep pointing to if, if Saturansky and Ubre can keep it up, then I think there is still another move to be made. You don't have to go crazy. I know everybody wants to, you know, look, I get it. The Wizards may need to simply not be in a position to get that player that everybody is, like, dying for them to get because everybody just wants an all-star, and obviously that's not easy to get. And, you know, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with the Boogie Cousins situation in the offseason, and, you know, who knows where the world is at that point. But, you know, if they can make a subtle move, you know, without having to trade a first-round pick, you know, they have a second or – uh, you know, whatever it may be, they, they've got some random assets. I mean, the Aaron White thing still exists. I mean, you know, in terms of moving contracts, if they can get some sort of big man who's better than Mahimi, I know that's a low bar, but somebody that they feel comfortable with going as that eighth, ninth man, uh, you know, I think they have enough to be interesting. But, look, they've got to show me that they can be more consistent. A big win in Portland is nice, but, you know, if you follow it up, one of these next two games against a su- suspect team with, you know, a hot mess like they had in Utah or, or even just what they did in Philly, then, you know, that, that's not going to be enough. But I think there's something there. They just got to, they just got to, they just got to be at, be consistent. And, uh, you know, we'll see. We shall see. All right, man. Well, look, it's late on the East coast. You got things to do. Definitely appreciate it. 
we didn't really have a chance to, well, I guess I had a chance, I just passed on it, to, to really get the sense of, like, you know, how your year has been going, uh, you know, catch up with you, you know, sort of the Barbara Walter special, like, so we'll have to do that, we'll have to do that some other yeah, time. Yeah, so we'll certainly catch up. But, yeah, it's always good to be on, so thanks a lot for having me. Um, definitely need to get more into the Wizards groove, just like this team. Right. I, you know, I'm with you. I feel like I've been like the Wizards too. I feel like I'm vibing them. Like my, every day I'm not consistent with my effort, but now, you know, inspired by that performance, I'm sure tomorrow I'll wake up and also not go to the gym. (laughs) (laughs) Um, all right, man. Cool. Appreciate it as always. Thanks to you guys for listening. Again, you can find us on iTunes. You can follow Kyle on Twitter at truth underscore about underscore it. I'm at Ben Standig and we'll be back with another podcast until next time. Deal gets open for three. Dagger! Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 